Monday night edition of the Crash the Pond podcast, trade deadline edition of the Crash the Pond podcast. This is exciting. It's going to be a, a crazy show. We have so much to talk about. Jake, when when we you know when we joined our, our stream here to to start setting up before we recorded, I, I noticed a kind of kind of sad tone in your voice, kind of almost like you're in mourning. What, what, I, what, what's keeping you down? I mean, we'll get into this. Don't don't worry, folks. But I mean, let me just lay it out there. I think that it it was a bummer of a day. I don't think there's really any way around it. Uh, it was a sad, sad day. I think there was a lot of ways this day could have gone that that could have helped out the Ducks long term for the future of the franchise. And the way that today happened did not do that. And I think the the frustrating thing out of it all is some of the quotes that we'll get into from Bob Murray really go counter to a lot of the thought process that the the franchise should have and really is disheartening on the whole. And and I think that this this day kind of reinforced a lot of my beliefs about where the franchise is headed and it's very frustrating to see that. It's like watching the Titanic go straight into the the ice uh, the iceberg and you you can't do anything about it and I feel like today almost it feels like the day the, the Titanic had hit the iceberg. Um <laughs> And so with that being said, no I wanted to there. I wanted to at least throw on another bright and colorful shirt for anyone watching the visual or the video aspect of this podcast to brighten people's day. Let, let's go with that. And shout out to that guy, Bobski, great patron who just gifted out three, uh, three subs to people. So thank you so much, Bobo, for doing that. So we'll get into it. This is going to be a little bit maybe of a downer of a show. I think you and I are both going to be very critical uh, of the duck. So if you are someone like us who is not a fan of the way this deadline has happened, who wants to hear someone speak out against the franchise, skewer them, maybe I think you're, you're going to be in for a bit of a treat of a show. Well, I'm going to do my best to try to try okay. to inject okay. some perspective. I, I think, think that'll, that, that'll be my role. That, well, and I, think, I think you and I try to do a good job of that, of providing both sides of the argument, providing a, at, at least the argument that usually is given against us to provide at least the counter to that, to provide some perspective. Maybe you disagree with our opinions, but we can at least provide you where we're coming from on that. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I think that people really draw a line in the sand with this kind of stuff. And we have to keep in mind that we're all, I think we all are wanting the same thing. You want you want the franchise to work in an optimal way. You want it to get back to uh, a point where there are Stanley Cup contenders, right? That's, I think, what everybody is pushing for here. Um, but there's obviously a big disagreement about how to get there and what the, what the state of the franchise currently is. And I think that what today kind of told me, just as a broad view before we get into the details, is I think the Ducks... I don't know how far away they really feel like they are. There was no tearing down. There was mm-hmm. no. Cl- there weren't really any true selling moves. Um, I mean, at least there there weren't the kind of moves that really indicate that they're moving on from from their core. Uh, and so, I just find that a little. That, that's the part where I I guess I am dismayed because I I think that that just I don't know how you get to that conclusion after what we've seen for the last three years. Yeah, like I mean here's the thing and we'll jump into the actual trades and then we'll get into more so of the a lot of the the logic and everything like that with not making the moves and things like that but i think what's frustrating looking at this draft kind of from an overall picture to start is that this is the worst season the ducks have had over the last three years 
Like there, there's no way around that. Well, this over the team, last like how many like over the last well, no, no, but I know, but but specifically over the last three years, where this team mm-hmm. has been kind of in the the draft lottery, they've been in this lower lower point of the franchise, and I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of those moves that he made at the deadline, or at least the one last deadline. Um, but at the end of the day, Bob Murray still at least got a first round pick at each of the last deadlines and a prospect to go into the draft with an extra first round pick each year. And as critical as I am over the fact that he hasn't moved guys out in the right age group, at least he has been making somewhat of progress by adding in first round picks, adding in prospects, adding in at least that. And so I think what's frustrating is you look at this deadline and what did the ducks get? The ducks got a fifth round pick but they sent out a sixth round pick and they ended up with Hayden Fleury and Hayden Fleury is he, he's a bottom pairing defenseman. We'll get into that a little All right, bit let's more, just, but yeah, let's, let's just go. get into the trades. <laughs> yep. Let's do it. All right. So let's, uh, let's rewind the clock back to Sunday afternoon. Cause that's, that's where things kind of started going down. Uh, it was announced about an hour and a half or so before the game yesterday that the ducks played against Colorado um, that Nick Delorier was heading to Pittsburgh. And then within about 10 minutes of that being reported by Elliot Friedman, you got a report in by Eric Stevens in the athletic real time app saying that this, according to the team and league sources, this was not happening. And then Elliot Friedman deleted the original tweet and put out a clarification saying that it wasn't happening or, or hadn't yet been finalized. And it ended up never happening, which I feel like, that kind of didn't really get talked about that much because there was so much other news, but what a bizarre chain of events that, that a, a reputable source <clears throat> in a Elliot Friedman announces a trade or, or says that a trade is happening and then it ends up not happening. Like it's just, how often do you see that? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very, very rare for something like that to happen where Friedman, who's one of the most well-respected uh, insiders basically around, um, he, he's essentially elevated himself basically into the Bob McKenzie role as of now, in my opinion, I think he's at that level oh, he and is that. yeah, he is that now he's, and he's so, surpassed that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so for him to get something wrong like this is not the norm. And so, which, which makes me kind of wonder if maybe there was something, the deal was basically finalized. Maybe something got out. Maybe the ducks didn't, uh, maybe I, I would expect that the deal was close to being done. And mm-hmm. then something happened. There was a snafu. Maybe it was Brian Burke with overarching site in Pittsburgh ended up nixing it. Who knows? But uh, the deal ended up not happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that what happened is that the Ducks probably, I mean, this is pure speculation, by the way. I just want to put make that very clear. Mm-hmm. Pure speculation. But I think that we've seen a track record from the Ducks of them not wanting trades to get out. Uh, you know, like, like, or at least before they're able to notify the player, we saw that with the Antoine Moran situation where Antoine Moran was playing in a game for the golds and we didn't get the actual return on the Volkov deal. It was heavily delayed, which you just, you just don't really see in most trades until they were able to tell him first. And I feel like the ducks probably didn't intend for Delorier to find out um, because they, you know, he's a respected guy in the locker room, veteran, this and that. And they wanted to be the ones to tell him first. And so maybe that just that just broke things off. Who knows? I, I actually don't really know why th- at that point you would then not do it. But regardless, they have made they have a reputation a little bit of wanting to control the narrative. 
And so maybe that's what went wrong here. But I'm just curious what the return would have been for a Nick Delorier. Yeah. Maybe Agreed. a sixth round pick, fifth I mean, round pick. Yeah. I mean, I, my initial read on it was I was kind of surprised because Nick Delorier, it seemed like he was given the contract extension last year as a two year deal to essentially make him the, the 47 year 2754 now mm-hmm. um, uh, rule for uh, exposure requirement for the Ducks. You have to expose two guys uh, for the expansion draft to meet that role. But I mean, looking at the Ducks expansion list, I mean, that was also under the assumption that they would probably protect Henrik and Silverberg. Not so sure if that's now the, going to be the case after the fact that they have exposed uh, Adam Henrik to waivers and who knows where they're at with Jap- Jacob Silverberg and they may expose him also. And so, with that being the case, they, those two guys could be your exposure uh, guys. There's also Derek Grant in the mix. And so, I mean, they ended up not moving Deloria so he can still be exposed and fill that role. But that was my initial thought. But turns out the Ducks actually have a couple people that could fill that role. Yep. And so now moving on to the trades that happened today, the Ducks made us, they made us wait. The Ducks did not make a single trade all of deadline day until until I think the deadline had officially passed. Afternoon. Yeah, it was, afternoon. It, was, it, was, it was within the minutes, either right before noon or right afternoon, that the first trade was announced. And uh, really, really exciting trade here. Uh, blockbuster deal. Ben Hutton to the Toronto Maple Leafs. A uh, longtime Duck, uh, celebrated Duck, Ben Hutton, going to the Leafs for a fifth-round pick. Which, I got to say, my quick reaction to that was just, well, they got him on a PTO. They signed him to a deal. He didn't really play a, a, a ton, didn't even really play that well, and they got a fifth-round pick out of him. So yep. that's 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 a tidy piece of business for the Ducks. This, this is exactly the type of move that the Ducks should have been making. They should have been doing this with every well, single player that they have on the roster. It also tells you that, that they have this in their wheelhouse. Yeah. Like, like, like they're capable of making these trades. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so exactly. what was no, your reaction to that? My, I mean, my reaction was, I mean, you look at kind of what other UFA rental type defensemen got. I mean, what was it? Erica Branson got a seventh round pick. Braden Coburn got a seventh round pick. Uh, Patrick Nemeth, I think, got a fourth or a fifth round pick. Uh, I'll confirm that one in a sec. But basically, like to, to get a fifth round pick for essentially a guy that you, like you said, you signed on a PTO, someone that uh hasn't necessarily played a big role on the team and hasn't necessarily been a good player for the Ducks. I mean, he's been fine, but he's been saddled next to Jacob Larson for most of the year, and that's really tanked kind of the way he's played. When he's been away from him, he's played a bit better. But the fact that they were able to get a seventh or a, a fifth round pick is uh, pretty solid, honestly, for him. I mean, Eric Gustafson got a seventh, only got a seventh round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, like essentially, there were a lot of guys that were uh, I would consider probably better, not necessarily significantly better, but better than Ben Hutton. And uh, they got a lot less than a fifth round pick. So uh, good return from the Ducks. I mean, I think one other thing to note is that it is a 2022 fifth round pick um, as compared to a 2021 fifth round pick. And so, I mean, maybe this is a sign that the Ducks are not that high on this upcoming draft. There was a really good thread put out there by Scott Wheeler that there's a, a no, notion going around that this draft is extremely weak. So it de, it's devalued their picks. And he made a very good point that a lot of smart people should be keying in on this draft and getting more picks for it. If it's being, being devalued, cause there's more people, uh, turns out the ducks were one of those teams that probably devalued this draft though, and wanted to get something for the next one. So they well, yeah, got a fifth round pick in, in 2022. 
Yeah, I mean, if you look at a lot of the trades that happened today, a lot of the trades involve 2022 picks. Yep. <laughs> People are just staying away from 2021. And I tend to think that that can mean one of two things. Either there's like some groupthink going on and everyone seems to just have decided that this class isn't that great. Uh, or, you know, on the flip side, if you're kind of in the wheeler train of thought that hey this is an opportunity that if well, people that if people are deciding that they're not going to invest that much in this class then that's maybe where there's going to be some hidden value I, I think part of it part of the reason why people are are staying away from it is because it it, it could be described as an underscouted class yes, that's it but i would argue that it's uh just less in-person scouting right well i, mean, I think it's it's underscouted also from a result of the fact that there are not uh there are not that many. Um, well, it's been weird there, seasons there, for a lot of these guys. Yeah. Well, there's not that many th- that many games to scout. Uh, the painful light actually brings up a good point that uh, smart teams like the Leafs didn't seem to care to lose their picks there. So that's possible. Maybe they also did yeah. key in on the fact that that uh, a first round pick. I don't know. Maybe well, well the no, Leafs, that wouldn't work the, out. The Leafs would have flipped that first in any year. Like they yeah. are all in. To They're all the in this year. They would have done whatever it needed to takes to get to get what they wanted, but. I think that going back to kind of this draft, I, I think it's more so the fact that there's a lack of, of, of ability to scout based upon guys not playing as much. And that's yes. really kind of left some uh, some teams probably wary of, of this draft. Well, and I mean, because yeah. it, it's going to be a crapshoot. I, I think outside of the top 10, it's going to be a bit of a crapshoot where you're going to see guys taken in the first round. I think you're going to see more first round busts this year than you see in a standard year. And you're going to see more guys from the second and third round make it to the NHL as a result. Yeah, but the funny thing about that is there's kind of an implication that, well, scouts are usually so accurate, you know, with, and all, they're that, not. with all that additional scouting they get. You know, they're really they're really making solid picks every time yep. up to the podium. Uh, I, I would and, I, I, I really want to I can't wait for the stats on this class a few years from now and see if it, and see if this, the outcomes are actually the same or maybe even a little better. They, like I mean, that, this year that would this, be so great. This year is going to be more of a lottery than other years. I think you're yes. going to see more guys in the fifth and sixth round make it, which is the exact reason why. If you're getting a fifth or a sixth rounder, get it in this draft. Yes, because there's going to be someone that falls. I I just think that um, we're going to find out whether having more information actually, or, or more or less information, actually leads to to worse picks. Anyway, I do yep. think that 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 this this 2021 draft discussion, even though it may seem a little unrelated actually does kind of underscore a lot of this. I mean, if if the Ducks, if other teams were higher on this draft, I think you would have seen a lot more movement. You would have seen picks be more valued. Um, I mean, this this day was the lowest amount of trades since 2000 for a deadline day. Now, of course, part of that is the quarantine and just kind of the weird year that it the is. Flat, but, it's the quarantine, it's the flat cap. And but the, the, I think if teams were more eager to go and and if they if there was a more established pecking order, like, just let's say it was the last year's draft class for this upcoming one. I think you would have seen more movement, um, potentially more, more valuing of those picks because look, if the ducks, they're a, they're a team that has really established themselves as a, a good drafting franchise. If they saw an opportunity to go and get players, they would have jumped on it, but they didn't. And we've seen them jump on that opportunity, like you said, in the past. So it's just a, it's a good footnote here. I think it does. It does overshadow a lot of this. Um, let's move on to the next trade though, unless you wanted to say anything else about Ben Hutton. Nope. I mean, here's the thing. And this is what we'll probably say on this next one. Also in a vacuum, this is a good trade. Like this is what the ducks should be doing. I I think that this, 
not even in a vacuum overall big picture this is a good trade for the ducks also they should be moving out every single guy that they had that was a ufa that they were able to potentially get something in return for so that would be yanni hockenpah and a sixth round pick for next year's draft uh to go and get hayden flurry from the carolina Hurricanes. so yeah i agree with you like in a vacuum just looking at what this trade is yanni hockenpah is a guy kind of like in the ben hutton mold where Look, they took a flyer on him as a UFA out of Europe, hadn't played in the NHL in a few years, and they turned him into a guy who could play. Um, and then they packaged in a, a, a lower-end pick to go and get a guy in Hayden Flurry, who is not some high-end defenseman, but he is, I would say, a bit of a brand-name defenseman. He's, he's he was a seventh overall pick. Yeah, exactly. So he's got that kind of draft capital, again, brand-name value there. And so they basically turn nothing into something because not to disrespect Yanni Hockenpah, but it's just not a guy who he was essentially found money for this franchise and, and they smartly capitalized on it. That's what the, this should have always been the logical endpoint for the Yanni Hockenpah experience. Like for example, if they had re-signed him, that would have just been lunacy. So the fact that they cashed in on him and turned him into a guy who could potentially figure into this team's uh, core, that's a, that's a smart move broadly but i think there are still issues with it yeah and, and so I, I agree there i think that the ducks ended up cashing in like you said on it they had to toss in a six round pick also uh for uh to get hayden flurry out of carolina hayden flurry just so everyone out there uh knows he is currently 24 years old he is going to be 25 though in july um he is a left-handed shot defenseman as everyone's kind of said he's six foot three so if size matters six foot four you, Six foot four, and he's big. That was the second thing Murray said about ah, he's a big kid. Ah, ah. got to note the size. I mean, NHL.com has him listed at six three. Somehow gained an inch in uh, Bob Murray's mind. No, he's well. I saw six four on uh, Hockey Reference, but anyway. Okay, but regardless, um, and so I mean, you're getting a guy that's younger. You're getting a guy with uh, some potential in his game. Various different things there, and and has shown an ability to drive offense. uh, If you're looking at historical numbers for him over the last three years, and so overall, like that is a good move for the Ducks. The kind of main issue, if we're zooming out from the uh, minute details of the trade and evaluating the trade kind of in a vacuum, unless you have anything you want to add else you want to add. Although actually let me go ahead. He just so everyone out there knows if you do shooting adjusted, uh, wins above replacement per top down hockey, he is essentially, uh, exactly replacement level, uh, which is right around actually where Hawk and pot ended up also this year. So very similar in terms of on ice impact from there. Um, but if you look at, and I have now actually updated our setup, Felix, so I can share my screen again. Um, but if you look at the screen, you will actually see his RAPM charts uh, for the uh, this current season. As you can see, a little bit of a rough season for him. But if you end up showing it a little bit more and show the three-season sample, he actually has been good at driving offense with driving expected goals for over that three-season sample um, for the Carolina Hurricanes. And this is isolated uh, for individual player impact. So this does not include the fact that he was on a better team than the Ducks. This isolates his impact for that. So anything you want to add on on Hayden Flurry or, or his game or, or anything like that? Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's important to note that bringing mm-hmm. in a defenseman like this who has been a third-pairing guy with the Hurricanes, uh, that's going to make the Ducks' uh, blue line depth better. Like, he does make the team better. He is better. He's been better he, over time than Yanni Hockenpah. And, and I, I think, think that the, the, the key that he brings anything to the table offensively is the big key there because Hockenpah 
for as good, quote-unquote, as he was this season, it was really all about just defense. He was not giving the Ducks anything offensively. And I think Fleury kind of fits that mold a little better, playing that more offensive style. But um, the upside, I just – he's 24. Is this just who he's going to be? Just kind of a third-pairing, uh, okay defenseman? He doesn't play on special teams at all. Um, he takes his penalty t- taking habits aren't great. So he'll fit right in with the ducks, uh, and individual offense is not necessarily there either. So that concerns me a little bit that the results aren't that great despite him playing in such a kind of minimized. Yeah. Goal. I mean, you look at goals for over the, like his goals for does not match his expected goals for. And I think part of that could be just due to scoring talent. And maybe that that's kind of yeah. the, the takeaway there when you're dealing with a much larger sample size. And I, not I just converging. think part, um, part of Murray's reasoning is that this guy could come in with a bit, a bigger opportunity and be better. Well, I would argue this might just be who he is. So to, to break that kind of aspect of it down, is he going to get a better opportunity with the ducks than he got in Carolina? Because that, that is my big picture kind of takeaway with this where you, when you look at where he fits in the roster, he's essentially replacing. I mean, when you look at this deadline, what the ducks did was they, they essentially replaced Ben Hutton with, uh, with Hayden flurry and Jamie dries. will probably switch back to the right hand, right side and take Yanni Hockenpah's place on that right side. And, and so overall, yes, I agree. This ducks defense is better on the whole, but when everyone's healthy and now granted, it seems like Lindholm is probably going to be out for the rest of the year, but when everyone is healthy next season, Hayden Fleury is the third left-handed shot defenseman on the roster. He's not getting first. He's not getting top four minutes on the ducks. Like he's not unless, unless one of Lindholm or Fowler are moved out, which is possible and could be the case. But as of right now, that the logic of him coming in and getting a bigger role outside of this final, what, 14 games of the season, that's not going to happen with the Ducks because you have Lindholm and Fowler ahead of him. Well, and I think it might not just be a bigger role because, I, you know, Murray did allude to consistency because he wasn't even a guy playing in the lineup every single night. That's fair. And that's so fair. he will get more of an opportunity in the respect that he'll get more more playing time just game to game. Uh, I mean, right now, so the projected Ducks blue line, You'd have, let's see, you'd have what, Fowler-Manson? Can we pencil that in as a pairing? Fowler-Manson or Fowler-Drysdale. Fowler-Manson, Fowler-Drysdale, and then I'll go Lindholm, Shattenkirk. And then on your third pairing, you could have Flurry-Drysdale. And yeah. so, I mean, that's that's not a terrible blue line. I mean, we, we, we've kind of, we've drawn this up mm-hmm. on paper before and, and looked and looked foolish at times, but I think that that's, Consider where they're coming from with their third yeah, pairing with the def- likes of Jacob Larson, definitely, um, who just seems completely on the on the outside looking in right now. By the way, yeah, like like Flurry being brought in is not good news for Jacob Larson. No, it's also not good news for uh, Josh Mahura either. Yeah, because or, or long long forgotten Brendan Gooley, another yeah, name, <laughs> another name for that left hand side. I mean, there's a couple guys in the Ducks in that 23 age range on the left side, and now mm-hmm. you add uh, Hayden Flurry, and so. Real quick, want to mention this because this quote just absolutely destroyed me on Hayden Flurry. And this yeah, came- just just so everyone knows, before we started recording, Jake saw this and he he legitimately yelled when he when he first saw. I got it. mad. But this triggered him. It did. It did. And don't worry, folks. There's even more frustration for me on this trade. But uh, it, it's so here's the quote from Maria. I think he needs to play. I think he needs to play a bunch. It could take a little bit of time. Uh, when he was in the bubble last year, he played pretty well for them. He just needs to get his legs underneath him and get going. I think it is a fu- this is a future move. This is adding to our defense group. And then Bob Murray added, 
It's a 24-year-old defenseman. Most defensemen don't reach their peak until they're 28, 29. There's a good future for this man. Uh, no. Does does someone want to inform Bob Murray about aging curves and the fact that there has actually been statistical studies about this that has shown that guys reach their peak, even defensemen, they are a little bit later, but they reach their peak at 24 and they leave their peak at 28 or 29. They do not (sighs) enter their peak at 28 or 29. Well, we already knew that Bob Murray didn't totally understand that just due to the contracts he signed, but he just removed all doubt by... actually staying in the thing that's so infuriating is that you and i have been talking about aging curves talking about all this different stuff talking about all this with the 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 silverberg contract the henrique contract the fact that it's not going to age well because of all this different type of stuff and lo and behold we're right like not tooting our own horn but tooting our own horn we were correct that was a those were both bad deals at the time because of aging curves because they were not going to age right and the fact that you have this man who right in his like Directly in front of him, you have deals that you signed that they are in the second year of that you are waving. <laughs> and you are trying to claim that 28-29. No, Jake, it's it's on the players to like, be better. Like, understand agent curves. Understand player evaluation. This is your job. This is your yeah. job. Like, well, it, 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 it's insane. But it's not just Bob Murray. Like, it's it just no. feels like this entire front office as a whole. It's just, there's a lot missing there. But... Anyway, I'm, I'm forgetting where we even were on this. Well, oh, where, yeah. where we were going to go with this was the fact that the... So we, we've talked about this trade kind of in the minute detail of it, but the big picture thing of this is that it just... It's very confusing what the, the big picture from this trade is. Where well, the, what, what, what is the purpose of it? Well, so you actually made a good point earlier today. We were texting and you had hearkened back to... This may have been the first trade deadline we did. Yep. Maybe it was a second trade deadline. I'm forgetting now. 2019. Time is, 2019. Time is a, time is yeah, a flat se- circle. Se- second one we did. Second one we did, yes. And when Brandon Montour got traded as a right-hand shot defenseman for a left-hand shot in Brandon Gooley, the Ducks had the surplus of left-hand defensemen. And Bob Murray at the time had said the, the puzzle might not look complete or something to that effect, but it'll, it'll make sense in due time. And the ducks still have a bunch of lefties and, and, and they've gotten here kind of just by accident. Like they, they traded shocker. They traded Daniel Sprong for Christian juice. They then lost him without wanting to lose him. They then had to scramble and get bet Hun, who they then moved out to get a pick. And now they're bringing in Hayden flurry when they already have a bunch of left defensemen still anyway. So what this says to me, I think this, I think it'll be true this time that there, someone's going to have to be moved out here. It just, you can't have this many well, defensemen. And, and here's the thing is, and, and I guess this is the frustrating thing here is that the, the quote that Bob Murray had, I think back at that deadline after he moved Montour. And I think you and I were both very big fans of that deal, the value that he got back. And it basically his quote was, uh, right now you're only seeing a part of the puzzle. It was something along the lines. Right now you're only seeing a part of the puzzle. You have to wait. We, there's a bigger picture at play. You'll see it come the summer. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. And so basically, I, and we've had that basically two years in a row. And so at a certain point in time, it becomes a boy who cries wolf situation of, (laughs) well, when is this bigger picture happening? The ducks have just basically added uh, another left-handed shot defenseman. They've added another guy that they need to now consider for protection uh, for the expansion draft. Cause that's one thing we have not mentioned yet. The ducks now have, uh, 
basically if they go seven forwards, three D, which they should do not go eight forward or eight skaters because you are leaving guys out on purpose. Um, but they, they have Cam Fowler, Hampus Lindholm, Josh Manson, Kevin Shattenkirk, Hayden Fleury, Jacob Larson, Brendan Gooley, Andy Walensky, Josh Mahura, uh, Trevor Carrick as all guys expansion draft eligible and they have to protect or they can only protect three of those if they go seven, three, if they go eight, four, four, you could protect four, but still like you're like, are, are the ducks just basically acquiring Hayden Fleury to, to float him out there. So Josh Maher is not taken. Maybe that's it. Uh, that's definitely but, not what it is, but like you're, you're giving up draft capital with the six round pick for that to happen. Like are, no. are the, are like, where is this going? Like it, it just feels like this almost lacked foresight. No, I'll tell you where this is going. I think that they got Hayden Fleury because they've made it very clear. They want that. They want a guy of his ilk or of his kind of age range. They got that. He meets that need. He's on a cheap deal, and now this sets them up to get rid of some of these defensemen that, like, they are out on Josh Mahura. We've known this. Like, they... Yeah, true. He's, he's looked very good at times, and it just hasn't seemed to matter. He'll have one or two bad games, even three, and that'll just completely cancel out or outweigh everything that he did before that. So, to me, this isn't a... Like, this isn't about them keeping Josh Mahura. I think it's the opposite. Well, yeah, because I, I think that my initial read of this trade was, why is this happening when essentially you have Hayden Fleury already in the system with Josh Mahura? Like, they are very similar players in terms of, like, the driving offense aspect of their game but not being great in their own zone. That is Josh Mahura. Like, it, it, well, it, no, I mean, I mean uh, Fleury's better defensively than Mahura. A little bit. I mean, he is better. Like, I think we can say that. Yeah, he's better, sure. Fine. <laughs> I'll admit that. I mean, I'll, you can't just say these things without fine <laughs> without fact. I'll, I'll have you check me. I'll have you check me. <laughs> well, I mean, but I think the point still kind of stands, though, that he is in that sort of younger age range, and you're bringing another one of these guys in, maybe has a little more experience, but is still in that similar category. I just yeah. think there's been a decision internally that Josh Mahura yeah. is just not that guy. And, and yeah, Mahura is worse defensively is, than I was saying. He is awful. Sorry. Need well, to chime in you there. You think now. that I just don't correct look my, at the numbers? I I had to correct myself. I had to own up to it, Felix. I had to own up to it. People assume that the things I say are not based in numbers. They actually are. I just both, both of us are. typically are. <laughs> yeah, I just I just don't actually. I'm not as explicit about it as maybe I should be. Maybe it would add more credibility if I said it that way. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Um, but yeah. So I mean, with Mahura, like they did, like that case is closed for me. And now Flurry, I think they see as a guy who's going to be a part of this of this core, and especially with the fact that you have Manson, who may or may not get moved within the next few months, you have Kevin Shattenkirk, who's not going to be around forever, and we still don't really know the the status of Lindholm long term with this team. So he feels like a building block for them well, moving forward. So. Before we move on, and we'll get to our ad break, and then we'll kind of come back and discuss all of the other things that didn't happen. For the I'm Ducks. actually shocked we went this long on Hayden Flurry. Eh, it makes sense. It makes that, sense. I'm, I'm patting myself on the back. What What would you expect Hayden Flurry to become? Um, I think that best case scenario. I mean, this is truly best case scenario. Just looking at his age, he becomes just like a serviceable second pairing defenseman, just a a solid two way guy. Um who's not really going to be the flashiest, not going to contribute on the power play, but just a guy who can kind of drive a drive play in the correct. Somewhat track. like a better version of Ben Hutton almost. Yeah. I mean, 
I'm trying to think of a of a good comparison here. Like a very poor man's uh a very poor man's Hampson home. Like mm-hmm. maybe even maybe even worse than that. Like just a guy who's not really a factor on on special teams and a guy who's not really getting his own offense, but just kind of helps helps the, the the flow of the game keep going, helps you execute your systems. Um that's yep. what I and, and I and I think kind of that that's best case. I think most likely scenario oh, yeah. most likely scenario is he's a bottom pairing de- or bottom pairing defenseman. Well, I think that like I said, I think that there's already a very real possibility that that's that that's just who he is. Yep. And and there's actually no I mean, he's twenty four. Well, yeah, I, he's I don't gonna know. Be 20, he's going to be twenty four in July. The Ducks have clearly identified him as a guy who has more value that he can bring that he hasn't shown yet, um, and maybe he will do that. But look that. The Carolina Hurricanes are one of the best places you can play as a defenseman They're all- just in terms of your system. And yeah, these numbers do control for that, but I it's just hard to totally separate it just logically. They and are so- they are also a franchise that understands the numbers in like in depth and so they would not let a guy like this slip out from underneath their fingers. Yeah. If he seemed like he was going to become what he was, so well, they did also go and grab Yanni Hockenpah. So I mean, but at the end of the day, they may view Yanni Hockenpah's defensive side of the game as something that they are actually yeah, missing, like, like and fill, fill like a niche in in their lineup in, but, as the as the sixth defenseman, basically. Well, with Flurry, I think that you know my concern is that the Ducks have had defensemen come in who have been really awesome on other teams, like Kevin Shattenkirk and take a big step back or take like a noticeable step back. And with Shattenkirk, I don't think he's been that bad, but the Ducks system just doesn't seem really conducive to defensemen shining. <laughs> and yeah. so maybe on a on an upgraded third pairing, maybe eventually the Ducks will have a new coach anyway and it won't matter and they'll have an, a system upgrade there. But I don't know if Flurry's going to meet this untapped potential that the Ducks see in him on, on them. But if he just stays what he is now... I think he's still an upgrade for this for this roster long term. So, I I think like we said at the very start of this conversation, I think that it's mostly a fine trade. Even though in the big picture it doesn't make total sense, uh, I think Flurry does make the blue line for the Ducks yep. slightly better. So, yep, and I think that, I think that's the accurate opinion. I think it's the I think kind of the critique of it is that it's on the fringes like every single deal. The Ducks well, I mean, with, with the Volkov trade, so to me the parable for this is Volkov because yep. this is like the defense version of Volkov. With Volkov, they legit turned almost nothing into what could be a good NHL player. I mean, they traded a seventh-round draft pick and Antoine Moran for for Volkov. This, I mean, they did trade a guy in Hockenpah who could have been flipped just for a pick and maybe a higher one, like who knows, and that may have been the better deal. So yep. that's why there's a little more quibble here. I mean, um, I think I think Hawk, if, if Hutton can get a fifth, I think Hockenpah could at least get a fifth. Exactly. And so would you have been happier with them just flipping Hawk and Paw for a fifth would be, yes. would be the question. Yes. Like, I think that the Hurricanes would have probably taken that deal. I would have done Hawk and Paw for, I think that if Hutton got a fifth, you should try to get a fourth for Hawk and Paw. Yeah. Like he, he's probably, you know, well-regarded around the league for the season he's having. And the Ducks have talked him up at every opportunity. So who he's knows? playing big minutes. So yeah, yeah. And, yeah, exactly. He's he's been playing like second pairing minutes, first yep. pairing minutes even sometimes. So yep. So teams. Well, all right, yeah. time for a word from our sponsors. Yes. So Mac Walden, this year spring is going to hit a little different because we're all finally, finally starting to get back outside and see friends again. 
No matter where your adventures take you, bring the comfort and style of Mack Weldon along for the ride. Trust me, your closet is going to thank you. My closet is thanking me. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. Style game for me might not be the strongest. Mack Weldon has helped that. Let's just put it that way. Um, whether it's their hoodies, polos, tees, or active shorts, everything in the Mack Weldon collection mixes and matches seamlessly to fit with any other trendy products you have. So, Jake, I mean, it's springtime. You know, I'm, you've, you're geared up in your, in your Mack Weldon apparel. I am. What are you, you know, you're probably going to put it to use, maybe in the gym. I, I am. Knows? You know, Mack Weldon's been uh, a good sponsor of this show now for, I mean, coming up on, I think, almost a year, maybe. Coming up close to a year for Mack Weldon being a sponsor of the show. And, I mean, their product is absolutely fantastic. From the Ace Sweatpant, which is probably, I think, my absolute favorite favorite product. I love sweats. And I think that the Ace Sweatpant might be my favorite one that I've ever had. It's nice and slim fit. And it's kind of the perfect perfect little thing, you know. It's still got a little bit of a, a June gloom, even though it's not June yet. But it's it's kind of that little, the morning haze, the morning fog. It's a little bit chilly. Throwing on some sweats in the morning is nice. And then kind of uh, once, once it warms up a little bit, they have some nice active shorts. They have underwear that are absolutely fantastic for working out. Uh, their knit pol- or their knit polos are great. Basically, everything is great, and they have great versatility. It looks great, it feels great, and uh, it has a wide range of kind of different types of fabrics. And so they're kind of uh, the fabrics are all meant to be whatever you need them to be. So whether it's a sweat where it's going to be nice and comfy for your kind of lazy day in, or it's an active wear type of thing where you can kind of move around, it can really work with you. And so it, it's it's just absolutely amazing product. I, I really cannot speak highly enough about it. And also they have their Weldon Blue program felix which is a totally free loyalty program level one gets you free shipping for life when once you reach level two by spending two hundred dollars you get 20 percent off every order for the next year like that that that's just an insane deal that's, right there that's honestly. a good deal yeah honestly and so mac walden wants you to be comfortable so if you are if you don't like your first pair of underwear you can keep them and they'll still refund you no questions asked so for 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com slash CTP. So like crash the pond and enter promo code CTP. That's MacWeldon.com slash CTP, promo code CTP for 20% off. Mac Weldon is reinventing men's basics and reinventing us, reinventing our wardrobes. So yes. thank you, Mac Weldon. Thank you for thank that. You. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's uh, let's just keep the train rolling here. So I think we've, we've covered all the trades. Uh <laughs> Not a whole lot to cover. Yeah, the two. <laughs> we, the two. I, I think we really got full value conversation-wise for those deals. Um, now let's just talk about the bigger picture. And I'm just going to get I'm gonna get out ahead of it here. I know you have a lot to say. I'm going to try to get in my piece before you surely just light this world on fire. Um, look, the Ducks, they, I think they missed an opportunity. I think that, yes, this is a weird year weird market i think you have to acknowledge that like you have to acknowledge the fact that this is Mm -hmm. there's no comparing this year almost no comparing this year to previous deadlines uh, with the quarantines the financial landscape the fact that everyone seems to hate this draft but even with all of that being said this is a team that clearly needs to rebuild clearly needs to load up on future assets they they are showing that on the ice they have shown that for the last three years and the fact that they came out of this with no additional draft picks, even for the future, even if it's beyond 2021, 
is just kind of baffling to me. Like you said, they have managed to do that the past two trade deadlines, and that has been kind of like the saving race. It's gotten them the likes of Jacob Perot. Great who, deal. Who we're really high on. And so that's the benefit of doing that. And the fact that they, they couldn't swing any of that, the fact that it seems like the Ducks had a set price for Manson, for Raquel, and they just mm-hmm. would not be negotiated down. I think that they're going to be looking kind of foolish in the long run because I don't know that they're going to get more value later on uh, leading up to the expansion draft or next season. I think that there is still just that set in stone fact that you get two playoff runs for a guy as opposed to one when you're making this deal or when you're receiving one of the Raquel's or the, the Manson. So just, just kind of baffling that they really didn't do any of that. Now, is it surprising from this front office? No, but that, that is my quick take on it. Now, Jake, I, I understand you may have a few thoughts. I, I have plenty of thoughts. So, yeah, I, I mean, where to even begin, honestly, with this? The, I, I think that you, you really summarized it nicely there, honestly, the fact that the, this really just feels like a big missed opportunity. And the main reason why I say that is it's apparent to all of us as Ducks fans, everyone watching the Ducks, that the, the current core is not good enough. Like, it, that that's just kind of, I think, a, a known fact at this point in time. This is the second or third worst team in the league. And, and that core is the driving force behind that. They just aren't good enough. And I think that that is not, people may view that as harsh and that's actually not me trying to be harsh. I think that they are just miscast. A lot of the guys that are being relied upon to be top end scores on the team aren't that they are the, they are secondary scores on most good teams. They are, they are being miscast and put into bat into roles. They shouldn't be and That is on management. That is on coaching. Look, look at the way that they've talked about, uh, Henrik, all this type of stuff. If you have I mean, at the end of the day, everything is about expectations. If you set your expectations and your assessments properly, then you don't deal with that. But with that being said, this core is not good enough. They're not a, a contending core, and it's time to move on from them. It's time to reset this roster. It's time to push forward for the Trevor Zegras and Jamie Drysdale era. It's been that time for a bit now, and the Ducks have really refused to do that. And the issue with this deadline is, like you said, there are definitely factors here. There's the there's the expansion draft upcoming. There's the flat cap. There's this draft. There's all of those things. And don't and I've heard all of them in my Twitter mentions. Don't don't worry about that. But I like, I just don't buy it. I like, it, we look at the trades that were made today. You look at Anthony Mantha, for instance, Anthony, Man- like everyone kept telling you that, uh, the fact that Felino got a first, the fact that Safard got a first, those aren't comparable deals or previous deals weren't comparable to this one because of the expansion draft. And so even though they got a first Manson and Raquel won't, or, or they won't get the prospect in addition to that. And you look at what uh, Anthony Mantha got. Anthony Mantha got Jacob Verana, a first-round pick, a second-round pick, and Richard Ponick. So he got a first and a second uh, for him. And that is a guy with term. He has three years left, I think, after this one. So where's the argument about the expansion draft for that? Where's the argument about the the flat cap for that? There, There's a lot of... Uh, of uh of salary a lot of uh aav a lot of term associated with those deals and they still eiserman still got proper value and part of that is due to the fact that he was able to take money out to make things work and so it takes being a creative gm to make this type of deal happen and so you hit the nail on the head that manson and raquel aren't going to have as much value in summer as they do now i and i don't think that that can really even be that much of a debatable fact a team gets them for two playoff runs as compared to one if someone trade and this is something Bob Murray has said himself 
over summer or when he traded for uh, uh, Ryan Kessler. He gave a much bigger deal to the Vancouver Canucks at the deadline than he gave them over summer because of the fact that he would have had him for another playoff run. And when he went to go renegotiate with them for a trade, they were not he was not going to give up as much. And, and so it, we have it from Bob Murray's own mouth. And the issue here is that I think his view is that he didn't want to take less than he thought he should get, that he didn't need to move these guys now. Well, you know, you know what, uh, what phrase applies here perfectly, in my opinion. Go for it. Pennywise, pound foolish. Like, maybe you did save yourself from not getting the return you got, the, the, the return that you well, think is lower than the value, but ultimately, that's not fully what this is about. No. It's like not fully what this I, is about. I mean, let me ask you this. Even if they would have gotten less than they had wanted, is it that le- is that le- better? Is is that more than what he would have gotten in summer? Yes. To me, the answer is instantly a yes. And so, well, anyone out there trying I mean, to say that, do you want Bob Murray out there making a bad deal for these guys? No, it's not about making a bad deal, but it's understanding where their value is going to be and the fact that their value will never be where it's at now. This is not a situation of you holding on to a guy expecting to get more. His value is both of their values are going down over summer. This is very much a situation where there's a depreciating value of or depreciating asset that mainly because you're not going to get two runs. And so this is just an awful management tactic by by the Ducks. And there's no other way around it. This is really bad by Bob Murray. This is something that could potentially set set the backs the Ducks back for years. Now, granted, having I also just want to add, I don't think there's any guarantee that they'll do it this summer. Because no. now, now who knows, right? Like now they could extend them. Now, now they could extend them. They could but, change their minds. Like, like just, I, now I think is the time to act. Like I think there is a world that we live in where they trade them both in summer and they get a good return. But I mm. think that that and where the it is somewhat damage control and this isn't catastrophic. But if this is a situation where they end up holding on to them until next deadline and end up getting maybe a second for them, uh, maybe maybe a first for them as compared to a first and a like because all. all Everything we saw was that they wanted a first and a high end prospect. They probably didn't want a first and a middle, uh, mediocre prospect or an average prospect. Whereas they probably should have taken that if they would have gotten that. And I think that's where I'm I'm landing on this is that they needed to be able to get something for them now while their value was higher. Yeah, because their I mean, value it's, they're, it's they're very they're, simple. Like this isn't a complicated situation. Like I've been trying to kind of draw this out and add more, but there's really not a whole lot to add to this. It's very simple. Their value is going down, so you move them while they have higher value, even if that means you're taking less than you initially wanted to get. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's honestly that simple, and so um, I mean, it is, it's just shocking that neither of them got traded. It is. I, it, I, I, I honestly thought well, at least Manson was getting traded, and I think what's shocking about Manson is Manson adds complexity to the Seattle situation. Yeah, like it makes it tougher for the Ducks the fact that he wasn't moved. Yeah. Exactly, because now what are they going to do? They're, they're basically going to, like, if they want to be in a situation where they don't lose any of their defensemen for nothing, they're going to have to trade them, and, and you kind of touched on this earlier, they're going to have to trade some of them leading up to the to the draft, the expansion draft, and teams are going to know that they're up against yeah. it, and that's going to reduce their leverage. Like, it, <laughs> if the Ducks actually tried to, to trade Manson prior to the expansion draft, they've lost all of their leverage. Because people, yep. teams know what they're gonna, where, what situation the Ducks are in, and Anime Holics brings up a good point. This feels like a situation where Bob Murray forced him or really wanted to win the trade, 
Yeah, he they, priced they, himself out of, of just making a deal, period. Yes, this was about winning the trade more so than it was about actually making a deal that's beneficial to the team in the long run. Because, well, I, I mean, let yeah. me let me just throw this out there for everyone. That, and I think that this is a very smart point. Some people may say, well, you just hold on to them, see what happens. But what, what does Raquel for the rest of this year do for you? What does Manson do Absolutely for you the rest nothing. of this year? This Ducks team is in the is in the gutter of the NHL. They're going into the lottery. They're potentially going to get a high pick. They're not doing anything for you for the rest of this year. And most likely, they're not doing anything for you next year either. Mm-hmm. And so what are you going to do? You're going to resign them over summer and you're going to have to deal with agent. I mean, I guess Bob Murray probably views Josh Manson as a prime age candidate right now. So he, of course, he has to give him five, six years. Yes. I just, I don't know. I mean, to me, the biggest thing was about moving these guys wasn't even so much the return. I mean, the return is obviously part it was of the it. message. It was the message. Well, it, well, it was just, you have to turn the, you have to turn the page at some point. You have to free up the cap space. You have to open up roster spots. Like you got to turn the page on this core. And now it's still hanging in the balance. There's it's still the same roster. Essentially no big changes have been made. Now, of course I do think it is worth saying it is worth noting that, a lot of this could change in the summertime. The Ducks could actually make a lot of these changes in the summertime when presumably the, the world will be moving back to, to more normal where maybe there'll be a coaching change. Who knows? Um, so I want to reserve some judgment there until we see that. But regardless, this just feels like a missed opportunity from a, yep. from a number of different angles. Yep. Yep. 100%. I, I think that I, yep. There's really yeah. no, no way else to go with it. Now, it's 100% a missed opportunity. The last thing that came up today was Ryan Getzlaff, which I I just it's funny how this Getzlaff thing just won't go away. But yeah, like I had put out a tweet basically saying it was getting annoying to me seeing his name out there, and and I guess I it mean, was real. Turns out there was some smoke where there was fire. Well, so I mean, this is from the Orange County Register from Elliot Tiford. Uh, Ryan Getzlaff waived his no move clause. He, he actually waived it, um, and the Ducks had some kind of deal lined up with the Vegas Golden Knights, and I guess that Murray had a very fixed idea of what kind of price he wanted for Ryan Getzloff, and he couldn't get that, so he, they didn't make the trade, and apparently Getzloff only wanted the trade to happen if it was going to be a trade that would help the organization. Now, I got some insane... Are you going to... Oh, I was going to say, are you about to go on a rant here? No, there's no... Uh, I'm not going to go on a rant. I'm just going to say that I think that this whole thing is very obviously flawed. First off, why... Once the guy has agreed to waive his no-move clause, I, I understand there's, he's going to have some input about where he goes, but Ryan Getzloff's not a GM. <laughs> you know, Ryan Getzloff shouldn't be the one deciding what's valuable and what's not. Like, of course, he's a... He's a he's a Hall of Famer. He understands that well, you know, how how this all works. But I I just think it's silly to to even pin pin this slightly on oh, him. Oh yeah, to to pin this on the fact that well it was Getzlaff who who you know didn't, wanted a didn't, good return. Didn't think that the return would help. Like th- that's just Bob Murray ducking responsibility there as he Shocker. wanted to do. Shocker. And then also look what is Ryan Getzlaff really worth? Like what did they think they were going to get for him? He's thirty five. And he's having a fine season, but he's just not the Ryan Getzloff of old. You're not getting a first round pick for him. You're not getting a pick. You know, you're not getting a, a, a first and a prospect. Maybe you get a second round pick, you know, because he is a pure rental. And this year that seems to be worth more than it usually does. So, yeah, you could have gotten something. But 
I guess the a, a lower pick just just what? wasn't worth it. Look, what? you've already you've already gotten to the point where you've waived. You've already made the decision internally that you're willing to move to so to, I, I, to a very. He's only so when he's waving. I do want to say this: he is waving for that one team. Yes, yes, but 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 so the the, the point I'm making here is just mm-hmm. that you've already kind of passed that threshold of being willing to move, yes. even if it's just to one place. You've already you've already decided that, and so. This is this whole thing is about how Ryan Gutzlaff only wants what's best for the team, and the reason he would be leaving is because he loves this team so much and he wants to help it. Um, even if it wasn't the ideal return, getting more assets still helps this team. Yep. And I and I and I think that if you are in the position that Bob Murray is in, um, I think there's a way to communicate that. I think there's a way to communicate that to, to Gutzlaff I, and say, "Look, I respect how you view this, and I think that you are on the money. Like, it, it should only be worth it." if it's going to be something that's going to help us, but this could actually still help us, right? Here's how it could help us as opposed to just bottling yourself into, well, it's only going to help us if it's a first round pick or a prospect, but clearly that is the ducks overarching philosophy because that's kind of why they didn't make a bunch of trades today is because they, they couldn't get their ideal return. So I said this on Twitter, people went ballistic and, uh, Look, I'm sorry. It's it's not it, so it's you, not because I think Getzlaff is worth peanuts and then that's all he should get. It's just, this is a very kind of. I'm looking at it from a very just cold, want, hard facts. Do and, you want my take on it? Yeah, I want your take because you've been you have been less on the Getzloff. I, I move have been train. I have been less on the Getzloff move trade or trade. Yes. but I do want to add this. A lot of that was predicated on the fact of it's up to him if he wants to stay. If that's something he values, then yeah. that's something that should be respected, and he shouldn't move. Um, and I think from a fan perspective, it would be cool. But if he is open to moving, then I think you have to move him. Yes, and, exactly. And, and, and because at the end of the day, it's the same conversation. It's, it's, as well. it's not an insult to Getzlaff if you only well, get something that you it, don't think is that valuable. It, it's the same conversation. And I mean, DB Lowry 3507 three, brings up a good point. If they didn't have a deal in place, then they probably should have never asked Getzlaff to waive exactly. his no movement clause. Like, why did he waive it if there was not a deal in place? Well, also, like, is, it, is this all just like posturing? Like, like, what is this even about? Why yeah. does this even need to be said? So I mean, maybe there was a question about Getzloff, but I, I, I just feel like this is everybody wanting to look good. Yeah, and and getting back to kind of where I was going with it is that at the end of the day, to the same point about Raquel and Manson, the fact that they're not helping the Ducks at all for the rest of this season. Like, there's no doubt about it. You could maybe make the argument that they help next year. I disagree there. I don't know necessarily where the Ducks will be by that point in time. But Ryan Getzloff is a rental right now. He does not have a contract for next year as of yet. He is not going to help the Ducks for the rest of this year. Even when he's scoring, this is a lost season. So if he was willing to waive his no-movement clause, no matter what you get in return, helps the future of the franchise more than Ryan Getzloff over the next 14 games. It's that plain and simple. There's no doubt about it. No way around it. Even if you're like me and want to see Getzloff remain on the Ducks for the entirety of his career, if he is willing to move his no movement clause, you have to then explore that and you have to be willing to move him. And honestly, I think think you could have gotten a first round pick for him and I think the Ducks wanted more. That's insane. That is insane. Well, because you look at what Nick Foligno got. Nick Foligno got a first round pick. Ryan Getzloff's having a better season than Nick Foligno and does more for you than Nick Foligno does. Okay, but just first off, sanity check. If you get a first-round pick for Ryan Getzloff, that is awesome. That is a great deal. That is more than enough. 
And so if they even if it's a second round, you do it. If they were if they were down to a second and they were also asking for like Peyton Krebs or something, and that's where it fell apart. That's just insanity. That is pure insanity. It's lack of it's Bob Murray wanting having to win trades. He has to win trades. But a first would have been a win. No, but he yes, but he cannot. Well, he also viewed it as he has. I mean, here's a quote from him: "We're get, going to get another good draft pick this year to add the ones uh, to the ones we've had the last few years. Making deals for draft picks who aren't first rounders doesn't make a lot of sense for us right now. My goal is to get players who have already been drafted and have a little bit of experience already. So this is, I think, Bob Murray prioritized getting someone back who was NHL ready instead of just understanding where the franchise is. Like exactly, th- like this draft could be looked." Like, sorry, not this draft, this deadline, we could look back in three, four, five years and say that was where the, the ducks became the Sabres. And that, like, I yeah. know some people might think I might be being, or might be uh hyperbolic saying that maybe I, I'm going over to over the top, but this trade deadline is what puts you on a path to become the Sabres holding on to your prospect or holding on to your players that you could be uh flipping for prospects and futures when they have more value than they did. I mean, for God's sake, I would say that the Sabres did better at the deadline than the Ducks did, even though they got a set only a second round pick for Taylor Hall and were held over a barrel when that trade, at least they got something back for him. Like the yeah. Ducks just didn't do anything. Like, and, and and Dalton Keys brings up a good point in our chat that Vegas probably knew that Bomberry couldn't trade Getzlaff anywhere else, so didn't have a bunch of leverage. Yeah. He's like, yeah, that's like what Taylor Hall. And and that's what that's that's and, the correct approach if you're Vegas. And I think if you're Bob Murray, you kind of have to understand that too. You have mm-hmm. to understand that the player will only go to a place that's close by, right? Because he's so established here in Orange County. And so that's part of the deal here because of your lack of leverage. There's just no way you're going to get this insane package that you think you can get. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I aired that on Twitter and I haven't been hit, hit back like that in a long time. Ratio. Ratio. Well, I just think people don't understand where I'm coming from. I'm not saying that Ryan Getzlaff should be pawned off for peanuts that it, it's just the simple fact that you should be looking to get Look. value. You've already gone down this rabbit hole of asking him to waive his no move clause and so follow through. Um, I, I completely understand and appreciate that he is the captain, that he's the, you know, he's faced the franchise, this and that. Like, I get all of that. And it would be extremely weird, believe me, to see Ryan Getzloff in a Vegas Golden Knights jersey of all jerseys. It would be extremely weird. But this is a business and you got to make hard decisions. You got to follow through with what you say or what you're trying to do, especially if like, like them asking him to do that and him agreeing. That was actually like that was rational. Try to get value for a guy who could yeah. maybe get you something. I mean, look and, so, look. and so the fact that they galaxy brain their way out of it is just, I mean, it's just, wow. Look at wow. what happened. Look at what happened just up the road. Jeff Carter's yeah. a guy that's been in LA. Now, granted, not the uh, same situation where he hasn't no, been in LA drafted. his whole career. Yeah. But, but still a guy, a guy that's won two cups there, been there for a long time. Like you couldn't have made a deal for him. And I think part of it also was a cap hit situation. And I think the other issue that we have here is that I don't think you look at a lot of the deals that were made this deadline, a lot of them for rentals really had double retention and teams had to get creative in order to make that happen. Maybe this is me being too harsh here and I'm fully accepting that. I don't know if Bob Murray has that amount of creativity in him to pull off that type of deal. Well, does this front office have that? Like, cause that, guess- that takes a lot of understanding of the cap and ability to, to uh, go through it and, and make sure basically you're, you're pulling off the best deal. And so, I mean, yeah. the ducks, the ducks potentially probably didn't want to retain that much of his contract and, and that's potentially probably what held it up. 
Well, I mean, we've already seen that the Ducks cap management is not the strongest. And David McNabb is the one who's in charge of that. And uh, look, he's been in the NHL for 42 years as an executive, and he's been in Anaheim for 27 years. I don't know. Maybe the grasp is starting to starting to loosen up a little bit on the rules and what you can and can't do. Let me ask you this. Getzlaff fully retained. Um, does that get you a first? I think it might get you a conditional or, or, second. Or, or is like, the fully here, retained here, just something you have to do? Just I, to I think you have to talking. do it to make it work. With I mean, yeah. it's, Vegas Vegas doesn't have a lot of space, but here's kind of where I was going with it with the, the Jeff Carter comparison is they gave up uh, or they got a conditional third and a conditional fourth with the conditional third being if they make the cup final, it becomes a second with Carter playing in half the games. And if he plays in 50 games next year, the fourth becomes a third. And so, I mean, if you're the ducks, why wouldn't you have done a conditional second with if Vegas makes the conference final, it becomes a first. Yeah, like exactly. And the thing is, if this was at all about, if this is truly all about gets just saying, no, I won't do this deal. Cause I don't think it's, commensurate to the value that I think I should get. I mean, the process there's just completely broken. I get it. Like he, he should have a say because of, of all, of all that we've already talked about his stature with the franchise, but he's waived the no move clause at that point. You've established the team. He shouldn't have a say in what the, the, the deal is. That's just insane to me. Like, like the nuts and bolts of the deal. Um, so I feel like there's just no way that's actually what happened. And I think the Ducks and Bob Murray are just saying that because that that just makes him seem like more of a hero, uh, which is fine. You know, messaging, PR, I get all of it. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if we've got anything else to say. The Ducks play in 29 minutes. What else did we have? Do you want to get into some questions? Yeah, let's get into some questions. Um, there was one other thing kind of I wanted to briefly touch on, though, when it came to to Manson and Raquel, except now it, it's uh, kind of escaping me slightly. So that's fine. If it comes back to me, I'll end up, uh, I'll oh, bring da- it up. It's just, man, seeing Ricard Raquel and Josh Manson in the lineup tonight. It's frustrating. It's just, man. Oh, my. Yeah, Agazino. No, 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 no. That's not even what I, I'm, fr- sorry. The lineup just came out, folks, and so we're both it's looking bad. at it slightly. No, what here, do, do you want, no, that's not even. The reason why I'm frustrated is why do you have Jamie Drysdale playing on his offside? Yeah. Like what is going on here from a franchise that says they stress about development, that that's what they care about, that that's well, what they're going no, on about. It's because, yeah. it's because they want him out there with Manson so he can be protected. Guarantee it's, you that's what it so is. It's so stupid. 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 Jake is just going to explode. It, no, it, it's <sighs> just, it's just bizarre. And it's bizarre. It I mean, is. This, this entire it, thing is bizarre. And Neanderthal I mean, thinking. It's Neanderthal thinking. It's not understanding aging curves. It's not understanding value. It's not understanding any of this. It's not understanding how to rebuild a damn franchise. Like that's at the end of the day what this is. It's not understanding how to take a franchise that is on the downturn. This is a team that has been a continually uh, downward trajectory as a franchise. And Bob Murray has not done one damn thing to be able to make this franchise better in my opinion. Uh, Okay, I'll backtrack that slightly. Getting the first and prospects for for Kasha, as much as I don't like that deal in the Montour trade, do help out long term. Yeah. But a lot, all of the other stuff he's backed his way into. He has not tried to rebuild. He has not tried to be bad. He is not the reason why they have Trevor yeah. Zegers and the reason why they have Jamie Drysdale. That happened regardless of what he did. He Just tried to make him. good teams. Yeah. He lucked out into getting those two players. Yeah, like, this is I mean, not of his own volition. My question would be maybe this is also because... 
he didn't have the, the the levity to make a big trade, you know, because of the fact that he's potentially on the way out, that maybe his hands were a little tied. Who knows? Um, I just today was today was a miss. It was a swing and a miss. Do we you think that this that before we jump into questions, let me ask mm-hmm. you this. And we'll we'll blitz we'll get to questions from Twitch. I have a couple that we need to hit quick um before we get to Twitch questions. Um but do you think that this was the last deadline for Bob Murray? Do you think that this was the the nail in the coffin with the the inactivity? So just to clarify, he is up this summer? Next summer. Summer. No, I think he's got one more in him. Okay. Yep. That's fine. Um so let's get I to mean, this one. I mean I'll say this though, just to follow up on that. There is a possibility that next season is just as bad as this season. So speaking of that, this is actually a perfect question. This came from Duncan, who's a patron, which is why I wanted to get this one in. He said, uh, he DM me this, uh, for last episode and I forgot to get in. So, um, uh, Ginge Gantor on Twitter said, uh, I wonder if it feels like Bob Murray has changed his tone after the season going so poorly. He actually said the word rebuild multiple times. And so has Dallas. I wonder if he's trying to sell the owners on a new vision, just like, uh, like he is finally trying to pivot and, uh, he's doing it to save his job clearly. Let me, uh, and so do you disagree with that statement? Uh, hold on. Sorry. I was reading something. Can you, can you repeat that? Basically, do you think Bob Murray is trying to change the, the perception into this is a rebuild? He said it so long and he's wondering if the, uh, he's trying to sell the owners on a new vision to save his job. I have no clue. I have no clue. Cause nothing he's doing lines up with the rebuild. Yeah. So, so I don't know. Fair <laughs> Sorry. Enough. Fair enough. All right. Let's get to the, this question. Uh, do you think Bob, and also from William Lewis, Bob Murray's seat, hotter or colder? Same. After today. Same. Absolutely okay. the same. And this came from our good friend of the show, Tony, who's a contributor with us and uh, basically wanted to to essentially point out a little bit of a counter argument for us to assess. Uh, seeing as they didn't move Manson uh, slash Raquel and Tiford's article is hinting at the value not being there. At what point do you say, Bob, you're right. We're just not getting enough back for these guys. Like for example, if Raquel was going to fetch a second and a B prospect when, uh, when he's not worth, uh, when is it not worth it? and makes sense to hold off until the off season slash after expansion draft. Um, I mean, I, I think like if the ducks eventually, uh, trade Raquel and Manson this summer, and they still end up getting first round picks. Um, then it's not a it's not as big of a it's disaster as agreed. it looks right now. Agreed. Um, like I don't think that they had to trade them today, but today was the day where they would have gotten the most value in theory. Yep. Um, and so yeah, like if the if the price is so low, uh, there is a walk away point. But like even a second round pick to me is not the end of the world. Look at what the look at what the Vegas Golden Knights paid to get freaking Matthias Yanmark. Like you're telling me that that you couldn't have gotten a nice return for for yeah. Manson or Raquel. Like it just feels like they they had this line in the sand, and if if there was anything that that they weren't okay with, it just wasn't going to happen. And I just think again, you got to be flexible, you got to maximize value. But at the end of the day, what was more important was just turning the page essentially. Yep. Agreed with you. I, I think that just to add my brief little two cents here, I think that if all you were going to get is a second and B prospect at this deadline, you're not even going to get that at summer. Like that, yeah. that shows you where the well, value's at right now. Well, so right now there's this assumption that there's this assumption that opening right up now, the mar- that when you add more, uh, add more teams to the market, it's going to increase. The yes, return. exactly. That, that, that the prices are just artificially suppressed right now and that they will, 
go back up in the summer. Which isn't the case. Well, we just don't know that. Like that is a that well, is an assumption. I, I think that that the, that's an incorrect assessment of the value. If all things were were the same, if they if it went from uh, if he had they had two playoff runs also come summer, then sure because they have the same value, the markets opened up. But the issue is is that is uh, missing the whole par- uh, conversation about their value being less. Mm-hmm. And so, sure, the market might be greater, a lot might allow you to get more teams bidding on them. But at the end of the day, if the value is less, you're not going to get as much in return, even with more teams in the market. Yeah. yeah. So, no, all I, right, I, let, I agree. Yep. Let, let's move on to Twitch. So, for those of you watching on YouTube, get, yes, we're on YouTube, youtube.com slash crash the pond, or on our favorite podcast services. You can find us at twitch.tv slash crash the pond, which is where a lot of the real fun is going on. Uh, you can subscribe to the show with uh, with uh, Amazon Prime. You get one free Twitch Prime sub each and every month. You do have to hit that subscribe button after 30 days. Uh, you can help support the show significantly, just like that guy Bobski did when he gifted out. Uh, three tier or three uh three subs to uh other listeners so let's get into some questions anime holics d94 said can we talk about uh how how i think it or how they think it's time or he thinks it's time that they start putting some accountability on the samuelis because there's a big difference in hands-off and absent and the samuelis have been the latter for years now i'm the floor is yours this is your this is your uh conversation so go for it look i've been saying this Privately, I've been saying this in our text for a while now, and it feels like I've always gotten severe pushback on saying anything to that effect. And wouldn't you know it, people are starting to say that on their own. People are coming to that conclusion, which I love to see. Um, yeah, I think that it is reaching a point where the Samuelis, there's no question that they've been great owners for the Ducks. There's just zero question about that. Willing to spend money, willing to reinvest. The whole thing is great, but in terms of just the competitiveness of the on ice product, they may just be a little too hands off. Like it's just, it's come to the point where this feels like a rudderless ship or it's the Titanic, whatever, whatever, whatever whatever, analogy you want, whatever maritime analogy you want to use. Um, (laughs) But, but, but the point is like, this just doesn't feel like it's headed anywhere good. Or if it is going to head anywhere good, eventually it's going to take way longer than it should. It's not going to be optimized. And it just feels like there's no one above Bob Murray to hold any to hold them accountable. It feels like he has total free reign, and that is how you get those franchises that are just mired in mediocrity for 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 years. And I am concerned that that's where the Ducks are headed. We will see. Like I said, I think there will be another year of pain, and mm-hmm. it'll just be an inadvertent rebuild. And then we will see come next summer when Bob Murray's deal is up. That is, to me, going to be the big tell. I am, even though my skepticism for them has grown this year in regards to the on-ice product and the management of that and the hockey ops department, because of the crazy financial la- landscape right now, I am willing to give them the benefit of the doubt until Bob Murray's deal is up. And then we Here, will see what happens. Here's my view, because I didn't give my take on the, the seat being hot and kind of to, to Duncan's also question. I think, yeah, he's trying to pivot to save his job. I think his, his seat's really hot. And I think that with with fans coming back, I think you're going to hear a lot of fire Murray chants. And I think it's going yes. to get loud. Yeah, I I think I think Murray's gone. I think Murray is gone. I think that after this season, I, I think that is one silver lining from this is that the inactivity at this deadline I think at some point something's going to come to the Samuelis over realizing how bad this deadline was for not. Well, they're going to lose anything. so many more games the rest of the way, and 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 not have anything in the future to look forward to as a result of it. And I think that that is going to. I think Bob Murray's done after this year. I could be dead wrong. You could be one hundred percent right. I just, I I think that 
if he would have killed it at this deadline, I think that that could, and I wish he would have because that would have been better for the franchise on the whole. But if he kills it at this deadline, then he has something to lean back on saying, see, I've set up this team. I'm doing, I'm setting them up. I'm getting them going, but he doesn't even have that. And all we have is a quote of him saying he 28, 29 is starting your prime <laughs> among other. That, that is a bizarre. quote that, that is going to live in infamy for me that I am never going to forget. DB Lowry asks a question. Who are the three? Do you protect from Seattle? I don't know. I mean, we were, we were talking about that earlier and I have no sense of what direction you should go. I'm just going to go, I'm going to operate under this assumption. You should trade Josh Manson before. Um, so I'm not protecting him. Um, I'm probably, I'm exposing Cam Fowler. I'm not protecting him. I just think dangle him. If you, if you can somehow get out of that, then great. I don't think it's happening though. Um, I think that you do protect... Do you protect Lindholm and Shattenkirk? You don't protect Shattenkirk. Shattenkirk... I don't think Shattenkirk's ever been in the conversation for protection. Actually. Okay. Like, I, there's just no one on here that feels like you have to protect them. I think, I think you protect Lindholm... I think they protect... Or I think... Not what I think you should do. I think what they will do is protect Lindholm, Fowler, Manson. Yeah. Which is... You know. It is what it is. They should just trade Manson before that. Um, but you're going to get... Pen- that is when you get pennies on the dollar. You want to talk? You want to talk about trading a guy at a low value point? Oh boy, that is that. Uh, yeah. Dalton Keys asks, "What is the timeline of this summer with the two drafts and free agency? And what would your main goals be if you were GM?" So uh, let me pull up the dates real quick. Uh, but it goes uh, expansion draft, then it goes uh, the actual draft. So the expansion draft is July twenty first. The first round of the draft is July twenty third. Uh, rounds two through four, July 24th. And then unrestricted free agency begins at 12 PM Eastern on July 28th. So that basically the, the kind of end of July area is, is where it's going to really kind of get busy. Um, and, and so I think my main goal would be getting younger. Yeah. I mean, sell, 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 sell what they should have done this, uh, this yep. deadline. Um, and Jeremy Ramirez, 871 says, what does a realistic hierarchy change look like knowing that Bob clearly isn't the guy to turn things around? Uh, you go Toronto model, you go president of hockey ops and a GM. And I think that if you, if you set up some kind of hierarchy like that, where power isn't as centralized in one figure, uh, which is funny because Bob Marie is the executive vice president, but regardless, he, he has too much power. I think it's it's really I holding think he, this, I think this organization I, back. I think he's still the president of hockey ops, though. Yeah, and so he just holds, he wields so much influence, and it's just, I feel like in any organization, any industry, it just shouldn't be all put into this one person. It should be more of a collective effort, um, you know, checks and balances, essentially. And so that would be the model that I would go to um, moving forward. Yeah. Um, let's see. Let's get to a couple more questions before we head out because the Ducks game is starting in 15 minutes. Um, do you think there's anything about, do you think other GMs hate dealing with Bob? So they kind of have, have left him out a little bit. Well, he only deals with like five teams. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So it's possible. Um, so here's a question from M young said, say Manson waves his no trade clause. What would your, cause this is one thing we didn't talk about was that, uh, the fact that uh, Winnipeg ended up losing Blake Wheeler for mm-hmm. indefinitely. And so you and I both keyed in on them as potential Raquel and Manson destinations. Yep. I mean, but issue I think, is 
Manson had Winnipeg on his no trade. And so that's why he mentions Manson moving, waving his no trade clause. Well, that, I mean, that could have been where it just fell apart, honestly. Yeah. Maybe that deal, maybe Winnipeg was really the only team that was willing to offer up and and Manson just wouldn't do it. Yep. Uh, Fatrell asked, does Seattle pick up Flurry now? I mean, who are they going to take from this team? They got to take someone. Yeah. Um, could be Flurry. Chris Kindred asks, are you worried that even if Bob Murray is fired or resigns, we will still be stuck with a similar organizational philosophy with Martin Madden at the helm? I can't see the Ducks looking outside of the organization for the next GM, so he seems most likely. Um, the thing is, we don't know what Martin Madden looks like running the ship. And so uh, it's possible that his philosophies are much different. Um, I mean, look at the kind of players that he targets in the draft versus the kind of players that Murray targets in free agency and on the trade market. There, There is, I think, a pretty clear uh, distinction there. Madden seems to be more uh, valuing skill, upside, and so would he take that philosophy to the NHL? I mean, I think it's an open question, and it's not a guarantee that he will uh, carry over all of Murray's beliefs. That being said, I think it is a good point. Uh, the grass isn't always greener, but right now the grass is dead. Like there's not even any grass. So it is going to be greener on the other side of the fence. And so that's why you got to move on from Murray. Yep. Um, and we, let's end with this. We got ginger wolf saying, are the ducks two NHL ready 2021 picks? So if they ended up with two picks that are NHL ready right away, uh, which I don't think they would end up getting, but are they two NHL ready 2021 picks away from contention? Let's say they got, I don't know, a, a later, first round pick or a later no, top they're 10 not. pick? Yeah, they're not. No, no, they're not, especially with this draft. But even if it was a great draft, um, they, they would not be that close. Yep. So I think that's probably going to do it for us tonight in terms of questions. Anything else you want to add Felix to all oh, of this? Well, there was a, there was a good question from JJ stone 22. What did I miss? What did I miss? There's a question. lot of questions and I try question. to get them all. Was it, will, was it before I was looking for questions? Will the pain end is the question. Oh, will the pain end? <laughs> hopefully you guys should see Jake's face. It's just, hopefully it looks like you've had a long day. I have, I woke up at six. Just for trade deadline. I know. There's no other reason. There was no, there was no actual reason for me this to wake up that early. Sucked. I'm not going to lie. This trade deadline sucked. It really sucked. And so, I mean, I think big picture here, it's very frustrating looking at where this Ducks, team's, Ducks team is. It's very frustrating to look at the the way this franchise is being run. run. It's, very, it's very disheartening to see quotes like that. Honestly... I had a lot in me in terms of rants, I think, about, about Raquel, different things like that, but they didn't really come to fruition because, honestly, I think the most disheartening thing of the entire day was reading that quote from Bob Murray about Hayden Flurry, And that 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 is no joke. For for the general manager of the Ducks to say that there is uh, that 28 or 29 is the peak for a defenseman, that, that is just false. Like, that is factually incorrect. Like, mm-hmm. there is no actual data to uh to support that and from support that quote and yet that is the person running this organization that is the person that is uh, evaluating the talent that is handing out contracts like if that is his view like why would he not give out uh, an contract extension to manson like like i could very much see this like the path for the ducks to get better is this they sell Raquel, they sell Manson in the offseason. They don't get as much as they would have at the deadline, but they at least sell them and get something back that will help in the future. They also sell Lindholm in the summer 
because they need to start looking towards the future. They need to start getting guys out of here that when they're not going to end up uh, where their contracts are going to be uh, hurting the Ducks in the long term because Lindholm's going to want a big deal. He's going to want Fowler's deal plus. And, and so the Ducks need to start planning for that and moving towards the future and getting things back. And that is how you rebuild this team. Yes, there may be some pain. Yes, next season may suck also. But at least you're able to see these kids come in. You're going to see the progress. You're going to see them come up as compared to you're still seeing right now Derek Grant getting minutes on this team. You're not even seeing the kids progress because they're not being given opportunities to do that. And the uh, like the other way that this happens is that the Ducks go the Sabres route and they extend Manson. They extend Raquel. They extend Lindholm. Majority of your cap space is tied up in guys over 30 years old. And you don't have future assets to really come in. And you're relying upon Zegris and, and Drysdale. And you're going to penny pinch them for a long time as a result. And it's just... They, they already are with, with yeah. Zegris. <laughs> and, and so it's just... There's a path forward that that is hopeful. I think after today, it's harder to see that path. And I think that's what's very frustrating out of all of this. Yeah, I mean, I, final thoughts is just they're out of touch. They're just yep. out of touch with the yep. reality. Yep, that's what it feels like. Like, what is going on here? Um, let's finish on a positive note. I feel like we need we need you to be happy. I heard there was a big WrestleMania show over the weekend. Are you actually giving me time to talk about WrestleMania? Talk about here? some wrestling. Talk about some wrestling. WrestleMania was this weekend, and oh boy, the show of shows was a good one. It was the first time that they've had fans in the building for WrestleMania, and it was a good one. I mean, there were some matches that weren't the best, looking at you, Fiend versus Randy Orton, and the weird-ass finish that happened there, but they had a main event, uh, the only the second-ever main event with two women for night one with Bianca Belair versus Sasha Banks. The first time two African-American, whether male or female, headlined WrestleMania. And those two women put on a damn show and put on an amazing match, represented just a special moment. You can see Sasha Banks afterwards, even though she lost, there was a very, uh, very cool moment that they captured her that wasn't caught on camera initially that someone got with their phone of her just laying there on the ground outside smiling, even though she <laughs> lost because she understood what that moment was, what they had accomplished, the performance that they had put on. And so that that the fact that night two had the edge versus Roman Reigns versus Daniel Bryan ma- match. It was just it, it was a very, very good WrestleMania and one that I think will go down as one of the not one of the best, but a very, very good one. I also, you know, look, people are pushing back in the chat. Yes, I don't, I don't often do this, but Jake is in a bad way right now, and we got, we got to bring him back. I also want to point out, since uh, I've been getting some pushback from this as well, just pushback all around. Angels, uh, Angels, been watching every single game. That is the thing in my apartment right now. We watch Angels games every day, and I've been tweeting, and people are hating the tweets, and I love it. I'm feeding off the hate. It's it's not so much people hate that you're tweeting about the angels. It's the fact that your tweets are good show. Hey, pull them, <laughs> kick them out of the game, get them out of there, send yeah. them down. When have I been wrong though? I'm you, actually, I think I was wrong once. There was one guy was, who proceeded to go out, but Quintana over the weekend, <laughs> my God, the angels starting pitching is a huge problem. Tell me yes. I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. You but, act like this is a new thing, though. Well, I, I'm discovering these things. I, I've never followed this team before. Also, the big issue is 
it just feels like after the top three or four guys in the in the rotation or lineup, whatever the term is, there's just nobody. There's no uh, bats after the at the top. Am I wrong about that? No, we, we now have pushback saying, but baseball is not hockey in our Twitch chat right now. All right. Well, this is this is why we got to stop. Um, you know, just trying to give the people some 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 different topics. What was your okay? Let's end here. Let's let's actually end here. Uh, we're gonna overlap with the Ducks game. What was your favorite trade of trade deadline day? Ooh, favorite trade of okay, trade it, deadline it, day. The only rule is you can't pick the Mantha trade. Damn it. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I mean, that one was pretty great. Real quick. Oh, one thing I want to say that I didn't. It sucks that the Kings. I think had a much better deadline than the Ducks did because they actually got things for their future yet again. Um, having said that, let me. Uh, I'm trying to look at the trades from the the wheat or from the the deadline because there weren't that many actual big ones. I guess. Um, Let's go with uh, okay, or, or, or not not your favorite, but just the one that like stood out to you the most, good or bad. Just a trade that made you kind of like go whoa. I think that I mean, it's really hard because the deadline was really kind of just well, it was spread out. It was very spread out. It was not that eventful. I think honestly, actually, David Riddick to the the David Riddick to the the Maple wow. Leafs. Did not think you were going to go that route. Well, that one really, I felt like, came out of nowhere. Like, the Maple Leafs were rumored to be in on, a go- on goalies, but the fact that it was, uh, it was the fact that basically Riddick uh, all of a sudden became available and was traded. Like, that came out of nowhere and really shocked me. Well, what I don't understand is why the Senators traded Mike Riley when he's been playing so well for them this season. Yeah. Unless I'm, unless I'm missing something I mean, there. Taylor Hall to Boston is going to be fun. I just love the fact that he drove that he drove from Buffalo he, to Boston. He wanted out of, he just he wanted, he just ran to his car and just sped please, off. Please, please. By the way, people in our Twitter saying, chatter saying Eric Branson to Montreal. That actually didn't happen. No, Eric he, Gustafson. Yeah. Eric Gustafson went to Montreal. Eric Branson went to Nashville. Yeah. What is Nashville doing? Why didn't they trade Matias? I mean, I'd that was, that, that was fan. actually the, my biggest thing with this, this deadline was, I mean, this deadline set up to be a perfect deadline for the ducks. I know we were, saying we were going to end it, but this set up to be a perfect deadline for the Ducks with the fact that Nashville, who were supposed to be their biggest competitor as a seller, decided not to sell. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and there's the Salem appearance. I was trying to get her on camera. But she's she's elusive. Let's see. Um, Okay, now Jake is... There's the cat. There she is. Different collar. It it is the same collar that she's had. No, there was a red one last time. No, it's been blue. It's been blue. Oh, she looks so happy as she tries to escape your arms. Uh, okay. Well, my favorite trade, I just don't understand what the Canadians did, to be honest. I here Here's your, your token Canadians mentioned. Why did they get a bunch Drink. of defensemen? Why did, they, why did they get John Merrill and Eric Gustafson when they could have just kept Victor Mete? Don't understand that. Don't understand. And like now, the man, the, the big shame for the Ducks here, is that they weren't able to claim Victor Mete off waivers. If, if they would have just not beaten San Jose. That is the difference. If they don't what? beat San if they don't beat San Jose, they don't have as many they have less oh. points than Ottawa. Oh, that's right. If they would not have beat San Jose last week, they would have ended up with more points than Ottawa or less Here, points than Ottawa. Here's a theory for you. They don't claim him regardless. I mean that is that is a valid theory. Like look at On what it, they value. Yeah. Size. I mean, he's Victor, a big kid. Oh, oh. <laughs> big kid. Big kid. Big uh, kid. 
help someone <laughs> someone send help send help <laughs> when will the pain end uh, Bo- bob murray fhgm chimes in chimes in saying never would have claimed him felix is correct yeah i don't think the ducks would have claimed victor mete but if they had that would have been such a boost like that would have been an actual upgrade on their blue line as opposed yeah. to like a marginal upgrade uh okay well i think we should probably wrap up i kind of yeah. want to keep going but you know we'll we'll actually do felix felix don't worry. You and I have two more straight days of podcasting to do. Exactly. I was going to say, we actually are going to do a bonus episode. Now, this is a great segue into how you can support our show and how it, it could actually benefit you. So patreon.com slash crash the pond. That is our Patreon page. And for a dollar a month, you get access to our patrons only discord chat, which today was just flying off the handle with all these trades. You know it's you know it's popping when every time you go you see several people are typing. By the, the way, the speaking box. speaking of Discord, I want to give a shout out. You had mentioned him earlier, JJ Stone or Jay Johnstone. Uh, in our Discord chat, had thrown out that basically saying thank you to us for for building that community there. It allows him to kind of uh. keep in touch uh, with uh, with the Ducks fan base, even though he lives outside of the Ducks fan base, living in Arizona. And so, want to just actually give out. I guarantee every or everyone in our Discord probably is is listening to this episode at some point in time. And so. You guys have really made that a very welcoming, very awesome community, and yeah, it's all I mean, it's, it, it's it, all you guys. We like we, we've barely done anything. It very much. I mean, it's built upon kind of what we we do here, and so it. I'm just very appreciative for kind of how that thing has turned out and how everyone in the Discord uh, goes and talks about it. It's my favorite place to talk hockey, and it's so much fun. Yeah, exactly, and and that that is exactly the benefit is if you're a fan and you just want to kind of join because you know with with hockey twitter or if you go on forums it can be so toxic and people are just trying to win arguments as opposed to just have fun and, and talk hockey and, and, and that's if, not what this is this is the and i think it and i think if anyone in there like has questions i feel like there are just so many people including ourselves that are willing to to answer and try to help and try to explain things so that there, there's no such thing in my opinion as a dumb question it, and it's and it's also not like an echo chamber either. Like there is room for pushback and, and yeah, debating. Like, definitely, but it's done in like a in a healthy way, mm-hmm. not just trying to put people down or anything like that. Just anti Twitter is what I would call it. Um, <laughs> yes. Okay. Now for five dollars a month, you get access to two bonus podcasts a month, and this ties into what we were just talking about. Tomorrow we will be recording a bonus episode where we'll just do a, a breakdown of the whole trade deadline. Every team, every deal. We do this every year. It's one of my favorite podcasts that we do. I wish that we had more deals to talk about this year. <laughs> I really do. But you know what? That's okay. We're still going to give it our all. Um, and so that's for five bucks a month. And, you know, we also do podcasts where we'll talk uh, ducks there, go more in depth on different topics. We'll do season rankings, player grades, uh, more in depth and also we'll we'll sometimes do some off the wall stuff as well if you enjoy the banter of this show you get that in droves on the patreon pod it's a lot more unfiltered i would say um now for 15 dollars a month big jump big jump but i promise it's worth it um for 15 dollars a month uh you get access to two watch alongs a month so we basically do a live broadcast of ducks games where we give you an alternative feed kind of like our twitch stream where we're just commentating on the game where we're breaking it down as it goes, gives you an alternative to uh, the traditional broadcast that some of the plus minus and face off talk that you get on normal broadcast. We give you a lot more insight. Um, and I think the next one we're doing is uh, I forget the date, 
but it's going to be on the next reverse retro night. No, our next watch along is Wednesday. Oh, it's Wednesday. Well, there you go. Even we're, we're, we're doing a watch along. on. Like I said, we have three straight days here, Felix. We're doing a watch along for Wednesday's game to discuss uh, some more trade deadline stuff as we go. Probably just honestly, it's going to just be unfiltered. Us probably just talking shit about the Ducks, honestly. That that's probably where that's gonna go. Um, but so if you want to tune in, here's have some more trade deadline uh, cathar- catharsis. Yeah, that was the word I was looking for there. Um, wow, I know Pulling big word, big word from this out. engineer. Um, and, and so we have that. We also have a reverse retro game. the The twenty fourth, I believe, is the second one that we're doing for the month. Yes, and I also just want to point out, Danson Heinen didn't get traded. Shock. Just, yeah. Just uh, just random aside there. Um, good, good point out by, uh, forever mighty there on Twitter. Um, okay. And, uh, a few more ways that you can support our show. Um, if you don't want to pay any money a month, that's totally understandable. Um, you can go leave us a rating and a review on the Apple podcast app. And if you leave us a review, we will read it on this show. And even if it completely slanders me, I'll still read it. I, I still, I still appreciate the five stars regardless, as you guys heard last week. Um, we're on all your your favorite podcast platforms. We're on Spotify. Check us out there. YouTube.com slash Crash the Pond. Make sure you subscribe there and turn your notifications on so you know when our videos go up. So if you want to if you want to see Salem, if that's really what this is about. If you want to see Salem on the screen, then you got to check out the YouTube. Um, hey, also, I, I bring it with my style. And yeah, if you want to see Jake's uh, clothing choices, hey, bobbleheads. Hey, hey, I had someone actually, I believe it was... Uh darkwing um christian in our uh-huh. discord chat or twitch chat had pointed out saying uh dug my shirt there so, you go yeah there so you if, go. You, if you want to see jake's uh exciting fashion choices uh really complimenting my just lack thereof then there you go the, trying to the, brighten your day trying to brighten your day the video feed is uh is where it's at make sure to check out our website uh i mean that's kind of where this is all based out of crashthepond.com should have plenty of articles up this week. I mean, there's a lot to talk about, a lot to break down. So I'm sure we'll have some stuff up at the site there. Um, check out Crash the Pond on Twitter at Crash the Pond and on Facebook. Follow Jake on Twitter at Reindeer Games 91. I'm sure he'll have some some content hashtag content up probably this has, week. Probably have some <laughs> AEW talk on Wednesday with Dynamite incoming. <laughs> and I am on Twitter at Felix underscore Sicard and. I actually have an article that I'm trying to get done soon for the site. Just looking at Zegras in the AHL, how he's doing at center. I, I, I watched the shifts from the game over the weekend that finished eight to six. And oh boy, Trevor Zegras is just trying stuff out there. Spinoramas. Why not? Deeks. Why he's not? Just, he's just messing around out there. So uh, we got to get that energy on the site. But all right, folks, thanks everybody for listening. Hope you had a great tread deadline day. Hope you enjoy the rest of your week. And we will talk to you this Sunday. Talk to you in a few days. Talk to you soon. Bye.